Essential Podcast. My name is John Gopatrick. Joining me this week is Aaron Pinkston. Aaron, what's going on? Just uh, two dudes going to be mansplaining a feminist masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Great times. times. This is our first uh, two-person uh, podcast. It feels a little lonely, right? Yeah, I know. Well, big ups to, to Sarah, our, our usual third wheel. Uh, it is her birthday weekend yes happy birthday sarah yeah so i know it's not polite to reveal how old uh, a woman is so i'll just say happy 50th birthday sarah <laughs> she'll love you for that <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah we're gonna be talking about a film that i really wish i could get some more opinions on <laughs> that would have been fun um, yeah i'm also not a french yeah. speaker so i'm gonna get that out of the way right now uh Probably going to have an interesting time trying to pronounce some things. Do you speak French, Aaron? Uh, no. Okay. Which so is we're gonna no in together. French for now. <laughs> uh, I went to uh, uh, Montreal on a trip a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, I've been there uh, as well. The, the, we both went there, my wife and I, without speaking a lick of French, mm-hmm. and sort of forgot that they spoke French. I mean, like, we knew they spoke French, but we forgot that, like, that might be a problem until yeah. we got there. And uh, the first thing we did was stop at this, like, uh, basically uh, gas station to get a sandwich because we were starving. Mm-hmm. And I, t- I tried to say ham, uh, just a ham and cheese, and the guy just looked at me with, like, the dirtiest <laughs> face. And uh, I said, oh, is it jambon et brie? And he gave me the sandwich then. And uh, so my wife and I joke, and we always say jambon et brie all the time uh, when we're talking about ham and cheese sandwiches. And that's the extent of my French. <laughs> yeah, when, when my wife and I went uh, years and years ago, uh, we only had issues in one one uh, restaurant that we went to, yeah. which was this little tiny crepe place. Uh-huh. And and it was like it was like a thing where there was just one person working there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like just the tiniest little storefront, and he seemed to not know English or pretended he didn't know English. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Montreal's great. Oh, sure. I saw we saw Fast Five there. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and then we, and then our next big vacation we went to uh, was our honeymoon in Ireland, and we saw Fast Six there. <laughs> well, okay. Where did you see Fast Eight? <laughs> Timbuktu. Uh, yeah, uh, Skokie, Illinois. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so anyway, our first is I think this is our first French film on the podcast at least. And um, it is Jean Dillman. Am I saying that right? We think sure. Jean Dillman. Uh, I'm not going to be trying to pronounce the rest of the film's title, um, but it is a 1975 film from director Chantal Ackerman, and um, it was my first time watching it. Uh, mm. Not your first time, I believe, right? Uh, well, I guess the last time I've seen it was technically not my first time, but the first time I saw it was a month ago. So, oh, okay. um, so, so it's a relatively new film to you too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny because, uh, so I scheduled this film, I chose to, to cover this film, put it on the schedule. Uh, and then I noticed that it was playing at uh oh, northwestern um uh the block arts uh museum 
where they, they do film screenings too. They were doing right starting a, a Chantal Ackerman series. And, and this was the first one they were showing, which, so I scheduled the film and then saw that it was playing like three days later. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was very fortuitous. Uh, and then also very interestingly, and I, and I talk about this in my opening piece, uh, I, I think even before I noticed it was playing at a local cinema, uh, I added the film to my Netflix queue and saw that it was, um, uh, you know, I, I get Blu-rays from Netflix. So it, it had like the not available yet, but will be available, you know, in, in May, 2017. Yeah. So I was like, Oh dang, that, that, that sucks. That, that'll be too late. I guess I'll just get the DVD. And I noticed that's because it is being released by the Criterion Collection on right. Blu-ray this week. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, it seemed, uh, all the stars aligned to, uh, to talk about John Dealman, uh, this week so uh fun times yeah and uh also uh, not really related to uh the film but in the news is a french presidential election that just finished uh, just as an hour ago today. before this recording i think so. and the woman lost how feminist <laughs> how anti-feminist are those french that's a joke obviously obviously <laughs> um but yeah i thought that was kind of funny uh, as i was uh, I watched it yesterday and followed that today, so it's a very mm-hmm. French sort of weekend for me, I guess. But um, but yeah, like I said, first time for me watching this. Uh, it's very interesting movie. Do you want to <laughs> give well, our I, listeners I was, a? I yeah. was first time, since it was it was your first time seeing it, and you just saw it, I guess yesterday. Uh, how much do you hate me? <laughs> this is the question that I have for you. I don't hate you. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, I knew I, I knew what to expect going in. I've I've heard yeah. you know a fair amount about this movie before. I've read some things about it, and I knew kind of that it was a really long, very uh, slowly paced, sort of almost plotless movie um, mm-hmm. about the day to day routine of this woman. Um, and so I knew going in that it was going to be a little bit of a tough sit. Uh, yeah. Not gonna lie, I did it over a period of most of the day in, in a few mm-hmm. different, uh, you know, uh, spurts. Uh, I'd say yeah. the thing that you know that people should know before uh, about me before going in is that I think I spend probably about seventy five percent of my day not caffeinated but over caffeinated, uh, <laughs> and so you know. Uh, I'm not sure it was a movie made for me in that sense because I was very jittery and antsy. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate it more than I like it. I Mm -hmm. would guess that most people watching it probably would say the same thing. Um, Yeah, sure. I I can definitely say that I was, I mean, I was very lucky in, in uh, in this whole thing because seeing it in a theater is better by about a thousand times i've heard that yeah i've heard that as as it is seeing it you know on your couch tempted by all of the modern convenient conveniences that we have um how about on an ipad yeah well that i mean (laughs) you know it's it's i mean it's it's not really that when most people say it's it's better to see a movie in the theater, obviously it's better to see any movie in a theater. Yeah. Um, but when, usually when most people say that, it's because of the, 
you know, the spectacle of, of having sure. a large screen, you know, the better presentation, the better sound, all of that. That's not really the case for this movie. Um, but it's just the, the amount of focus you need to really get a lot out of the film. Um, and, and not being, you know, tempted by, you know, looking at your phone or checking your <laughs> fantasy baseball team. Um, you know, I, mine is in shambles. Yeah, everybody's is. Um, yeah, you know, so, or, you know, even going through the urge of stopping it and doing something else for a while and coming back to it. Yeah. I, I think the, the structure of the film actually kind of allows you to do that a little bit better. Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's a film that's, it's pretty much takes over 48 hours, um, in the film, um, but over three days. So we kind of start in the middle of one day and then we see the rest of that day play out. We see a full day play out in the second act. And then in the third act, we see basically the morning through the middle of, of, of the day um so yeah it ha- i mean it has a very deliberate structure which it's it's not really episodic but i guess you could maybe describe it that way usually that means there's more plot but um there are certainly uh uh you know uh places where you could kind of come in and come out of the film and, and i mean the only thing you would be missing would be how ackerman is obviously wanting to just kind of grind you down <laughs> as a viewer as the character is, is sort of ground down over the time that we see her um spending her days uh but uh yeah i'm, I'm glad to hear that you didn't hate it no, I, definitely didn't. <laughs> I, I mean i think you know i think any person who's has a real in, interest in cinema will definitely appreciate the some of the stylistic things the the strange structure to it. Um, and then I think that third act is really great. Uh, and, yeah. and we can definitely get more into that. Uh, but yeah, see for my first time seeing it in the theater, uh, I was, I mean, it, I just felt like I was in a trance, you know, throughout the 200 minutes of cooking and cleaning and turning tricks. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it's actually, I don't know. It's, what do you think of so you, you you had said that you came into it kind of knowing what it was and and sort of expecting what you expected and I guess in what ways did did the film surprise you in any ways uh, was it different at all than than you thought it might be or was it pretty much exactly what you what you expected going in I, I, I guess it was mostly what I expected and not in a bad way. Um, yeah. because I was expecting to still appreciate it, you know. Um, I guess I was not quite prepared for exactly, you know, I knew that, that you know, let's say things happen, right? And I'm sure we'll get mm-hmm. into it. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of expected a more traditional kind of rise and fall yeah. um, in terms of the action, uh, as minimal as it is. And yeah, things it, happen really subtly throughout but yeah, yeah. you're right. There aren't any like. There's not like a real breaking point at any at any turn throughout the film until it kind of all breaks. But go yeah. on. 
Uh, but it takes a while to get there. <laughs> yeah. And there's not all that much going on afterwards. So, um, so yeah, I guess that would be like the closest thing to a surprise. But um, it's a film that, you know, like totally sticks to its convictions, which, you know, I think is, is hard for me to dislike. Uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Like it, it promises to be something and kind of remains that way for as long as it goes so yeah um, so that's cool you know yeah it's definitely dedicated mm-hmm. uh one thing that i actually was surprised the first time that i saw it uh, kind of going in knowing it was about um you know this this woman who is this housewife figure who most of the time on screen we just see her cook or clean, or run errands, or whatever. And then we also, I, you know, going into it, know that she is also a prostitute who uses her apartment to uh, have men come and, and you know, uh, turn tricks, and, and then they go. I, I was actually surprised how, because that seems so kind of salacious uh, yeah. when when you just hear about it. But in the film, it's really not. I mean, it's it actually kind of seems like a joke a couple of times when you see so much painstaking detail of everything and then the doorbell rings, she answers, it's, it's a gentleman caller and then it cuts to when he's leaving, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a few other moments in the film that I think are really funny in a strange way like that. Um, for example, at, at the end of the first day we see, uh, after her and her son have, have had dinner, um, and I want to talk about the sun more. Um, but when they, when they, uh, so they have had dinner and then they, I guess some nights they go out and do something. I, I don't even know if they really explicitly say what they, what they go and do, but yeah, this exactly. would be the first time we see that we see Jean outside of, of the apartment. And this is about 45 minutes into the movie. Um, so they leave and then we see them walk outside, you know, go down the elevator, go outside, and then it immediately cuts to them coming back (laughs) and and coming back to their apartment, um, which is, uh, so, I mean, Ackerman knows what she's doing here. She's definitely teasing the audience, uh, throughout, um, you know, and then eventually we do see the world open up a little bit more. We see... Uh, dealmen go to the post office and a department store and a grocery store a couple of times. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's it's still very humdrum kind of mundane tasks that she's doing, but um, it does open up a little bit more as the film goes on. Um, and then uh, at the end, it, it when we actually do see her have uh, relations with one of her uh, the men who come to see her it, it, at the the end of the film, the sort of the conclusion we actually do get to see inside of her bedroom at that point, and that's a big that's a big moment. So yeah. we'll talk. Yeah, let's talk about that maybe toward the end of the podcast. But um, what else here? Yeah, let's, so let's uh, let's talk about um, let's talk a little bit about the the stylistic aesthetics of the film, maybe. Um, Lots of just, static cam. Yeah, so how did, um, for you, how did this sort of, how do I want to say it, the very workmanlike, I don't know, aesthetics, they're not very showy, like you said, it's mostly static camera, it doesn't really move around much, Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of really long 
scenes that are just one one take. Um, how did that sort of presentation? Did it? Do you feel like it it worked um, in any particular way on your viewing experience? Um, I mean, it felt all uh, very naturalistic. I mean, that's kind of the the point is that. Uh, she is skipping, uh, Chantal Ackerman, that is the director, is skipping over kind of the potentially salacious moments of these few days in order to demonstrate that most of life is fairly mundane and that cinema has done a really poor job at sharing that with <laughs> with the world. Uh, and, um, and so I think that the camera, you know, you, I, I think most people normally associate long takes with these sort of like breathless tracking shots, um, mm-hmm. like children and men, which we talked about, you know, not too long ago. Um, yeah. the long takes here are very, uh, they are the complete opposite of that. Um, I, I mentioned in, in children and men not being the biggest fan of long takes because I find them kind of claustrophobic and that, uh, it's calling it, the camera is calling attention to itself and you sort of lose mm-hmm. the moment. Um, and, uh, obviously I think, you know, that's not the case here. Um, it's, it immerses you sort of in what she's doing. And I think also in the performance, which, you know, we'll get to, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times the camera really moves in a shot in this movie. Yeah. You know, I should have paid attention to that while I rewatched the film, um, but I wasn't really looking for it, but I don't recall any. Yeah, I can't um, think of any. But yeah, so I mean, even when even when the the film goes out into the world, uh, it's it's all pretty much static. I think. Yeah. Um, no, I I kind of like when I asked you that question, I I presented it at the aesthetic of the film in a way that might seem like. Um, well, like when I said, you know, there's not a lot of showmanship to, uh, to the way the camera is, is working or the cinematography, uh, is working, but I think it's still really important to recognize that Ackerman is, I mean, really painstakingly thought out all of her camera placements and her, her, her settings and, and what she wants you to see. Um, I mean, most of the shots in the home kind of present um present what you're seeing it's 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 sort of like it's on a stage but it it might be like you i I mean i think one interpretation you might have is that she's kind of an animal in a cage uh like this is like a zoo that you're watching um you know as she's peeling potatoes or making coffee uh you know you it has a really sort of simple design where we have a flat wall at the background and then two walls that we can kind of see on the sides of the screen. Uh, so you kind of have this, you know, you kind of have, you know, three dimensions on, you know, uh, on display. And then, the, you know, the foreground is, is that, that, that fourth wall that, you know, usually <laughs> you, you only refer to and, and it's mostly referred to in, in theater. So yeah, it kind of has that sort of staged kind of look, but, Again, I think if if what Ackerman might be going through, uh, going or, or might be trying to say in in, in the feminist uh, 
interpretation of the film is that she's she's sort of boxed in into this world uh, that is you know kind of slowly breaking her down. Um, now I, I don't think we're the we're probably not the best <laughs> experts in, in, in feminism. It's understatement it's, of the uh, I, at least. I, I mean, it's it's really a shame that that we don't have Sarah here because well, one, I would love to to hear what she would have thought of this film. I I, I kind of feel too. like she she would either maybe like absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. Right. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it would be one or the other. Right. Like almost of those <laughs> Right? So, yeah, I, I wish she was here. Maybe we should uh, assign, <laughs> give her a homework assignment that we can have a new uh, a new uh, segment on the podcast. Yeah, uh, and, it, and we, it can replace my Beauty and the Beast uh, <laughs> segment, which... Oh. By the way, have you seen it yet? <laughs> Cue music? I have not. <laughs> right, and so thing. ends the Has John Watched Beauty and the Beast segment of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, another day. Uh, that would be, that may be a little cruel to, to Sarah to to make her watch, uh, put in the time and effort to, to watch Sean Dealman. Uh, though, man, I really do wish I, I, I know what she, she would think of it. it uh, but in any case, yeah. in any case, uh, now, you know, this John Gilman is sort of upheld as a masterpiece of, of feminist cinema, uh, not only of its era, but sort of going forward as well. Uh, it's pretty much held up as one of the great art films directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, in some circles, they may consider that it is the, the best film directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much we have to say on on those sort of, of subjects. I'm certainly not an expert in feminism of the 1970s in Europe, but I I, I do think that we can see some of the what it's doing on the screen. So was there anything that you in particular picked up in in this sort of reading? Um, well, I I would say that there's not just, you know, directed by a female, but from what I understand, a lot of the crew um, and Mm -hmm. some of the other craft elements were um, done by women. So it's sort of a production that um, from top to bottom uh, has those hallmarks on it, Um, Mm -hmm. which is cool because even now still we struggle with, you know, female cinematographers and female editing and, and, uh, and stuff like that. Um, you know, probably the most outwardly feminine moment, uh, feminist moment occurs in the end. Um, so should we discuss these two things in tandem? Well, let's, we can move into that, but, um, one thing that I kind of paid close attention to the second time I saw it was, um, you know, John Dealman is obviously the, the main character in the film. She's pretty much always there and we're always, you know, sort of thinking about her, um, how she's living in the world. Now, despite the movie being three hours and 20 minutes long, there really isn't, she doesn't really say much. <laughs> she has a few oh. conversations with her son. Uh, and then she has a few transactional um, conversations um, throughout the film. 
as she's running errands and things. But one thing that I, I definitely uh, was paying more attention to or, or kind of wanted to keep track of is the sort of gender dynamics throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, so John Dealman obviously is, is the, the main character by far, really. Um, I think there are... So the, the only other women that I can recall in throughout the film are uh, the grocery store worker, uh, a woman who works at a department store. Um, toward the end of the film, she's trying to find a button for a, a jacket for her son and can't find it anywhere. Uh, I mean, that's enough to drive anyone mad, certainly. Um, and then a, a woman who visits her twice in the movie for her to just watch her her baby like for right. ten minutes or so, uh, but we don't see that woman, and it's actually it's interesting. I don't know if you caught this in the credits, but that is Chantal Ackerman who plays uh, I did not the voice the voice of that character. Um, and then on the on the side of men, we have of course her son, who is uh, besides John Dillman, the character we see most through the film. Um, He's uh, <laughs> can we say he's a dweeb? This guy. Yeah. This so, I mean, he's he's what? Like a he's like a high school kid, like probably what, like seventeen years old. The actor looks like he's about forty. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and he just I don't know. I just get the vibe from this guy that he would grow up to to become a senator that would you know introduce legislation to take away reproductive rights for women. That's just kind of... Are you thinking of somebody in particular? <laughs> uh, no, not really anyone in particular, but... Um, and, and, and there really isn't anything in, in the film that, that suggests that, I don't think. That's just kind of the vibe that I get from this guy. Um, but there, there is one interesting conversation that they have. Um, uh, it's after the... Or it's um, the second night of the film, I believe, when he's going to sleep, uh, he talks with his mother about their father a little bit, uh, as well as his sort of uh, very <laughs> peculiar knowledge of sexual uh, understanding, uh, and yeah. <laughs> which I think is, uh, I think that's definitely a conversation that I haven't totally thought into it deeply, but I think the idea that this boy who, I mean, he's, he's basically a man, but so doesn't understand uh, uh, the female pleasures of sex, uh, I think is a very pointed <laughs> pointed uh, observation that, that Ackerman is making. Yeah. Uh, he, the, he talks about how his friend has told him that the, the penis is like a sword, and it's better if it it penetrates deeper, just like a sword would, would I guess. Uh, and this sort of freaks him out and, and makes him, uh, uh, he said when he was a child, it made him uh, feel resentful of his father and wanted to keep his mother away from the father. And it's, so there's this, also this Oedipal thing going on. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very bizarre, very bizarre scene. Yeah, uh, it was really, really cringy. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, of course, the other main males that we see uh, over the film are the, the three different gentlemen callers that come to visit uh, John Dealman. Um, two we don't see much at all, and then the third, uh, I guess, uh, well, foreshadow again, we'll get to it, 
um, we, we do see a little bit more of. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was my, my biggest takeaway outside of the sort of obvious presentational aspects and, and what I mentioned before, kind of making it look like Sean Dealman is sort of boxed in or in a cage and then the obvious sort of subtle transformation that she goes on through to the end of the film when she's basically just kind of, she's done with it. She's, she's kind of had it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I actually think an uh, interesting thing as, as we kind of transition into some of the conclusion, um, I guess we're to, to, we're not really to question that these three days that we see aren't consecutive. Like, I mean, there, I guess there's nothing really that, proves that they um aren't um i mean we we do see some things kind of lead into the next um primarily that jacket that or that coat that i had mentioned before that in the third day she's looking for a button to replace um you know she talks about it in the second day because it's, it was a gift from her sister who lives in canada um, and then, so there's, there's sort of a through line there, but, but I also kind of see that Ackerman is, is, is making these days, uh, similar enough that they could stand in for any day, basically in the life of, of John. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, of, I think that's part that? of the point, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. is that this is, Every you know, and I think that that in part is what makes the ending more powerful. Is just that there's this idea that you know we're seeing three days, but this mm-hmm. has been three years of these days, you know, or yeah. a better part of them. Though it, I think it also it, it does have a very peculiar sort of build to the quote unquote action that we see, where and again, it's 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 all it's all pretty subtle, but we kind of we start seeing things that even though we may have only seen right. John do something once or twice, um, her routines that things kind of start getting real small cracks. Yeah. Subtly it, falling apart. Yeah. Like first we see her overcooked potatoes. Right. So she has to go to the store to get more potatoes. <laughs> like, yeah. Even something it's like as a, small as like thing. she has, uh, she keeps her money in this sort of, uh, ceramic pot on the yeah. table, and at one point, like she forgets to put the lid on and has to go back and and put the lid on the pot. Right, um, right. And uh, I mean, one thing that I was sort of struck by in terms of this was just the the uh, evidence of routine was one of the conversations with, I guess, Chantal Ackerman, uh, mm-hmm. the mother of the baby, when they're discussing, like, oh, what do, you know, what are you cooking or what did you eat? And she's like, oh, well, it's Wednesday, so it was breaded veal. Yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. And so just and, stuff yeah. like that, that, you know, indicates that, you know, this is a very meticulous sort of right. daily plan that uh, and, she goes through every day. Boy, did we see her bread that veal. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> Some of the food preparation stuff is actually quite quite stomach churning for me. <laughs> Especially the, uh, the what was it, something like a meatloaf of some sort. Oh, where yeah, that was Just for, like, five minutes, she's yeah. just, like, squishing the this. sounds of that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just nauseating. I, I don't know about and, the, of yeah. course, how we feel, uh, how much, how much she feels, you know? <laughs> Yeah, the sort of second to that, I, I mentioned at one point she brings these or she overcooks these potatoes, and when she's sitting there with her son, 
as a way, I guess, to sort of explain why dinner might be a little late today, she she says, you know, I could have made them mashed potatoes, but that is what we're having tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, why can't you have mashed potatoes today and then not have mashed potatoes tomorrow? Uh, day, Aaron. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so we, we get all these sort of little small cracks. Another one of my favorites was uh, after she's done uh, her day of errands, she goes to this little cafe, and uh, the second time we see her go, someone is sitting in her seat. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, right. does not, she does not seem happy about it. No, not <laughs> um, and yeah, so all of this, I guess, uh, leads to to the uh, to the very dramatic conclusion of the film, where we see her third encounter with a uh, a John and. <laughs> no, not you. A different kind of John. Yeah. Uh, and not a toilet either. No. <laughs> um, so uh, so we, we see her, uh, we actually cut into uh, the third time she has sexual intercourse throughout the film. And uh, you want to kind of go through that scene then and, and how you experienced it? Uh, well, not just what happens at the end, but... The, uh, the entirety of, of that scene. What we're, so, what we're right. So she's in there. Uh, like, as soon as the camera fall, uh, it goes in there with her, you know that something is happening. And, and I mean, sort of, I knew something was happening because right. I knew something happened, right? And nothing had happened yet. <laughs> okay. So you did kind of know that something was, like, Not, I didn't in, know in a narrative sense? Okay. I, I, I didn't know specifically what was going to happen, but I knew that there was, like, uh, you knew it had some sort of shocking ending. One that. sort of big action late in the okay. movie. Uh, okay. It was later than I expected, as I kind of alluded to earlier. I thought that right. there would be a little bit of a fall after that. Yeah, um, I, I actually really didn't know um, anything about what the conclusion of the film was. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, we're at the three-hour mark of the movie. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there's only about 20 minutes left. To, when you cut into that room, you know, yeah, you, you definitely know something's up. Yeah, that she goes so far out of her way to not show us things like this that mm-hmm. being in there is is clue number one that shit's sort of about to happen. Um, and uh, I guess at the moment of uh, completion, uh, we get uh, a nice pair of scissors to the chest of uh, <laughs> our our friend John, and um, and uh, you know with this action, I suppose she sort of breaking uh her routine certainly and uh breaking out of the cage like you had uh sort of alluded to earlier so um that's the uh that's the build up is uh uh to this this i guess just shocking act of violence yeah and i mean even before that i think the how what what we see from the from the intercourse uh i think is it actually pretty interesting too i'm not exactly sure what to make of it um but it first i mean it just looks awful <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah i mean it's 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 obviously completely <laughs> sort of self-serving to the man right um i mean it's uh, i mean obviously that's kind of the, the process of prostitution as it is i mean it's it's we don't really ever think of a prostitute having experiencing her work as 
physical pleasure. I mean, that's that's what the it's it's for the man's physical pleasure. Um, and I mean, I guess you could kind of say that is how we view sex in general. Right. Uh, but it, I mean, it, it looks pretty awful. But then it, it also kind of I'm not exactly sure, but it kind of seems like she does have an orgasm. Yeah, uh, I, I, I which, thought so too. Which I, I'm, I'm taking is is maybe a also a breaking of her uh, routine. Yeah, um, probably something that doesn't happen to her, um, and I, and I think that kind of blends in then to the that that happens directly after when she takes the the scissors and and and, and stabs the the man the man on the bed uh, and then sits contemplatively at her <laughs> kitchen table for like six minutes afterward uh, before the, uh, before the movie ends. Right. Um, any other thoughts on the, the last few scenes? Um, no, or particularly, else, I, I mean, besides the, you know, I, uh, I appreciate sort of the, uh, uh, thematic elements to them and the, um, just sort of uh, structural uh, mm-hmm. shock that she gives the film. And I think yeah. that, you know, it's, I always say that like, if you can begin a movie really well, that's a, that's a great thing. If you can end it really well, it's a great thing because mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're either sort of setting people up to uh, really kind of grab their attention or else you're leaving them with something to kind of ponder afterwards. And, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there definitely is sort of a lot to, kind of think about once the movie has ended. Um, yeah. I mean, even the second time that I saw it, I, 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 yeah, I was quite say, hadn't like, figured everything way, out. I would imagine that seeing it for a second time is pretty, a pretty valuable experience. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you certainly pick up some more of the, the, the small cuts that happen throughout, um, John's experience. Um, and, and kind of, why she gets to where she gets. But I also think it is, I mean, there's Ackerman leaves enough enigmatic to kind of be, I think representational enough for um, any woman who is sort of in this housewife uh, um, role um, that it's, it's not really, you know, the, the specific things that happen to John aren't really necessarily need to be specific it's sort of a hard movie to recommend. It's, it's definitely yeah. a challenging film. Um, it, it, it's gonna, I think it's, you know, most, I think if you put an average person in front of this movie, they're not going to get much of anything out of it really, but that's not on Ackerman or the film. I think that's on our, you know, how, what we want out of movies generally that Ackerman just isn't going to provide. Um, but I think anyone who has, you know, ha- has any sort of taste for um, the art of cinema and what a filmmaker can do to play with your expectations or set your expectations, I think that there's 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 a lot to get out of out of Sean Gilman, uh, and that's, I mean, it's it's like I said, it's it's still. Uh, it's an enigmatic film, even if it, sure. it, it does sort of by the end reach a conclusion for the character. Uh, I think it's still, 
I think it's still uh, it's still representational, representative enough, and it's also still sort of vague enough in its narrative that that it, it really lets you sort of interpret uh, different things in different ways by the end, which is uh, that's definitely a good sign of a good uh, art film. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like like you said, not one that I recommend to my parents if they're bored, uh, you know, on a Sunday night or unless you really want to really want to give your mom a a, a, mid, a midlife awakening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if your dad might not be safe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but uh it's something that's got a lot of value and uh I'd say, you know, know yourself before deciding if this is a movie you're going to watch. And certainly, um, we both, uh, got a lot out of it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff on the site this week. Um, or, well, I guess there already is a lot of stuff on the site this week. Uh, do you want to sort of share some of the articles that are coming? Yeah. Well, so, uh, some things that we will have up my opening piece, obviously is, uh, um, just sort of a general overview of my, Thoughts on the film um, and why we're covering it. Uh, also, Alex will be doing a piece uh, a little bit more geared to the end ending of the film. So, hopefully, diving into uh, some of those, um, maybe some of his interpretations on on where John ends up and, and how it relates to to the rest of the film. Uh, Felicia will be our resident feminist this week on the site. We will have a female voice talk about this film, thankfully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she'll probably run us under the table from the conversation that we've had, hopefully at least. Um, but yeah, she'll be talking about the film uh, in sort of a feminist light uh, and, and her experiences as a woman, so that's great. And, uh, you know, we'll have a related review up and, and some other things. So, uh, yeah, check out the site. Yeah, definitely. It's Um We would like to thank uh, the Hemingbirds for the use of our theme song, Half a Second, off the album Half a Second. And uh, definitely you can um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Sin Essential while you're there. Leave us a review. We appreciate the feedback. It will help others discover and enjoy the show. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us at The Sin Essential and uh, on Facebook, also at The Sin Essential. So give us a like and a follow, and uh, we'd really appreciate that. Aaron, anything else that you want to add about Jean Dielman? Well, I'm, I'm not about Jean Dielman, but I'm curious about, um, we can be brief here, but have you seen any other of Chantal Ackerman's films? I have not, but it's been on my to-do list for some time. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a little bit more free time now, so uh, hopefully she's one of the many that I can uh, sort of jump into. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of her most major work. Yeah, yeah, um, right. I think, was it also her first film? It uh, may or may I, not have been her I first film. I want to say sure. yes, but I, I, it, I can't. I mean, it, it feels like a first film, right? From like yeah, a, it, a I mean, it's a monumental first film. If, the, if that is the case, I mean, right. put it up there on the... On, on the list of just super notable, important, and impressive first films. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, if you are unaware, Ackerman passed away, must be a little bit more than a year ago, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I was going to say, like, early 2016. 
early 2016 sounds about right. Um, which when that happened, I, I, I knew that this was a film and, and her career was something that I, I would want to dive into. So I'm definitely happy that I finally did get to see, uh, John Dielman. Um, I've also seen her last film, uh, which is right? yeah, a documentary called No Home Movie, which I believe is on Fandor. That's how I saw it, um, mm. way back when, which, um, stylistically is actually pretty similar uh, to Sean Dillman. Um, but this is a, this is a documentary about her own ailing mother, um, uh, who is, you know, going through, uh, what a lot of, uh, elderly go through some, some bouts of dementia and sort of, and she kind of uses the opportunity to capture her mother, uh, and then a bit about herself as well. Uh, and unfortunately, um, she passed, I think, very shortly after this film was, her film, No One Movie, was released. But uh, right. it's also definitely worth seeing. Uh, and and you, can, you can definitely see Ackerman um, in the film, uh, obviously because you see her in the film, but also through uh, her work if you're familiar with, with Sean Gilman as well. So it's, it's definitely worth seeking out. And uh, like you mentioned, a Criterion Blu-ray is uh, yeah coming out this week. Yeah, so you yeah it should be available now by the time you hear this. Um, I I the DVD that I got for Netflix was the Criterion DVD, but the DVD set is broken up into two discs. So unfortunately, the disc that I had didn't have any special features on it. But I can imagine that there are um, some very interesting. Um, you know, uh, a lot of interesting work on, on that Criterion disc. Obviously, they always do a great job of supplementing their films. But uh, with this film, I think that that would be uh, something definitely wor- worth uh, looking into. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Criterion also has an Eclipse set called uh, Chantelle Ackerman in the 70s. Um, and it looks like that she actually had uh, a short film... Before. Yeah, I know she did have a short film um, that that uh, series that I had mentioned before that was playing here. Uh, they paired the short film with no movie uh, at a screening, um, kind of for the bookends of her career. But yeah, I don't think she did a feature feature length film before. There's something called Hotel Monterey, which okay. came out in 1972. It's 60 minutes long. Okay. So, um, yeah, kind that of. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not a uh, Jean Dielman, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yes. It is, in fact, three and a half Jean Dielmans. Yeah, or, exactly. Or Jean Dielman is Jean three, and three and a half Hotel Monterey. Exactly. Um, so uh, cool. All right. Well, I'm glad that uh, you chose this film. I'm really happy that I got around to watching it because, like I said, it's been something I wanted to see for some time, mm-hmm. and uh, I did appreciate it. I didn't hate it. I resent you for thinking I would. Um, I didn't actually. No, I'm just kidding. It. And, and I, I know that's that's kind of a poor question, open because that's it's a, that's, no, that's an it's a totally fair question. But uh, why? It's, it's a challenging. There were moments where I did, um, okay. and I just looking you back. By that, you mean you hated the, the patriarchy, right? Yes, right, exactly. Um, no, I mean, there was moments where I just, I was really struggling to watch this. 
And I think once you get to the end and you can see the whole picture, you can really appreciate it more. I think reading about it afterwards is probably a very informative experience. And I know talking, just talking about it with you has been really helpful for me sort of processing it. Mm -hmm. I feel like 45 minutes of conversation brought me pretty far along the way. Uh, I'm actually kind of excited to listen to this as I edited to see what my tone was before we started. <laughs> and now at the end, I feel like just in my head, I'm like higher on it than I was before. But um, you but had your own transformation. A little bit. Yeah. I'm going to go stab someone with scissors now. So uh, <laughs> with that, <laughs> thank you, Aaron, for, uh, uh, for joining me and for uh, hashing this one out. And uh, we will talk to you again soon.